Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The basis for our message is the gospel lesson read at the start of our service of Jesus entering into Jerusalem. Now, Jesus enters into Jerusalem had a lot of moving parts, and so I had brought along a couple of balloons to demonstrate this. And, and the first one is obviously a green balloon that, that reminds us on Palm Sunday uh, that the people were waving the, the palm branches. And, and also, there's not only the moving parts of Palm Sunday, but of Holy Week. And so as Jesus enters Jerusalem, he enters for a reason. And as he proceeds into Jerusalem, he teaches on Monday and Tuesday. But then on Thursday, he gathers together with his disciples and has a meal. And as he eats afterwards, he goes out to the Garden of Gethsemane. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, he is arrested. And so we can think about moving from a palm branch now to swords as Jesus is arrested and taken away. And then as he's arrested and taken away, then he's put on trial. And once he's put on trial, he is convicted in the middle of the night, and then he is crucified. And so now, that which was a sword, now becomes the cross, to remind us of Jesus' death. But then, after he dies, he must be placed in a tomb. Now, it is, Sabbath is approaching, so they have to move quickly. So two of his followers, though they were not known as followers, take the body and they lay it in front of, into the tomb. But in the tomb, they have to roll, now this is the tricky part, so hopefully, especially in your microphones, nothing bad happens. Okay. So, the idea is that a stone is rolled over in front of the tomb. And on Easter Sunday, then the women go expecting to find the body, but worried what they're going to do with the stone. But then they arrive and the stone has been rolled away. And they look inside the tomb, and in the tomb they do not find a body but an angel. And an angel to tell them that Jesus is no longer there. He is alive and he has risen. So if I take the stone and put it on the cross, we have a flower, which is a sign of life. So you see how it all fits together. Everything that, that seems in its separate parts is difficult to understand, but then in the end, it could be understood. And that's very true for Palm Sunday, because we have a lot of moving parts, and not only a lot of moving parts, but a lot of different people. It's, it's interesting, as we hear John describe it, there's a lot of different people, but he starts out by telling us that they're all there for the same reason, for the celebration of the feast, which is a reference to the Passover. The meal at which they would celebrate the, the, the fact that God is a saving God and had saved them. But people had also come for other reasons as well. Not only have they come for the Passover, we have that group that is just there for the Passover. The people includes everyone, but, but includes those who are living in Jerusalem and from out of town. That They say that Jerusalem tripled in size at the time of the Passover. But John also tells us that, that not only are there people there for the Passover, but there are there people there because they heard that Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. And even some of those who witnessed Jesus raising him from the dead have also come to see Jesus, probably hoping to see another miracle or something more wonderful or something, more, something else that's spectacular. And obviously we know that the disciples are with them. But, but always keep in mind, Jesus is never by himself. 
When Jesus goes from town to town, we have the three disciples that are his closest, the inner circle of Peter, James, and John. We have the 12 disciples. But we're told later in Acts that there were 120 people who followed Jesus from the time of his baptism to his time of his ascension. They also are there. There is a crowd. But not only is it that crowd, but there's also those who are keeping an eye on Jesus. The Pharisees and the Sanhedrin, the council. They had decided at Lazarus' death and resurrection that now Jesus must be put to death. So now they're watching him even more intently, looking for other opportunities to condemn him, but more specifically looking for an opportunity to take him away and kill him. And so you have all these people there with very various reasons to put everything together. And how many understood? Probably Jesus, that's about it. It's interesting that the disciples didn't understand. John tells us that. He makes a confession in the middle of the text. This is John the Apostle writing the gospel when he says, his disciples did not, did not understand these things. They didn't understand what was going on. They couldn't conceive of it. And if the disciples didn't understand, do you think the crowds that were coming from Lazarus understood? If those who were at his feet, listening to every parable and all of his lectures, seeing all of his miracles, couldn't put this day together, how could anyone else put it together? The Pharisees certainly didn't understand. They didn't understand because they didn't want to understand. They had already made up their mind about the Lord. They had rejected him and his message and refused to understand what was taking place. And so we have an example again of, of these people trying to put all these pieces together, but not being able to do it. And as we see their confusion, are we not reminded of our own confusion? As you look at the world, can you put it all together? There's so much that is this confusing. We can think about it on an international scale. The war still wages at rages in the hurricane after the Russian invasion over a year ago. We had another horrible shooting in Nashville this week. We turn on the news, and even the local news, we see shootings, we see accidents, we see people going through difficult times. There's political division and squabbling. How do we put it all together? Even in our personal life, things are up and down, aren't they? Sometimes we feel good, sometimes not. Sometimes we struggle with physical things. Sometimes we struggle with emotional or mental things. We do have our joys, and we celebrate those. But how do we put it together? How is anyone able to make sense out of this confusing life? Well, let's go back to the day of Palm Sunday. You see, Jesus is coming to bring salvation. He's coming to bring the victory over sin and the grave, but, but the confusion is there. In the midst of the confusion, there is evidence of what is really taking place, that this Messiah is bringing salvation, but the people aren't able to put it all together. But the evidence is there. John points this out, that the things that Jesus came to do that week were predicted. He points out that just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. He's saying that the events of Palm Sunday itself had been predicted, pointing to a Savior who is coming. Psalm 118 is the basis for Hosanna in the king of Israel. These are messianic terms reminding them that their promised king is coming, and Jesus is that king. The palm branches are a national symbol of victory, that, that in Christ there is victory. The donkey brings to mind David, who, who came as a king but came in peace. 
And Lazarus had just been raised from the dead. All the pieces are there. If you could just put them together. You see, there's one piece they didn't quite have yet. One piece they couldn't quite understand. Even though it was available to them, it had been predicted in the Old Testament, Jesus had promised it, and in fact, three separate times very clearly had promised it. It's the resurrection. That all these things are going to fit together with the resurrection. And so, as we look at the confusion around us, the evidence is there of what is taking place. God is active in your life to bring you salvation. But do you always see that? The scriptures tell us that the life we live is exactly how it would be. That, that, that the life of Christ would at times, and those who follow him, would be difficult. The scripture gives us endless warnings of sin and its consequences. A sinful world rejected Christ, and the Lord made clear we'd have to pick up our cross and follow him. That, that we who follow him will be rejected. The Bible is clear that sin brings disorder. It brings confusion. This is not to be unexpected. Sin brings illness, tragedy, even death. These are the things that, that God said would take place. But not only are these things predicted, but promises were given. Promises of love. Promises of his presence. And do we not see the evidence of that? That's why we're here today, is it not? Because the Lord is here, and he's promised to bless us. We, we see God's hands throughout our life. The, the, the reality is that, that the Lord is there. The reality is that we do face difficulty, we do face tragedy. But through it all, we're never left alone. See, it all adds up to a life that, that faces difficulty but enjoys blessing. It, it's intermixed. And again, our failure to recognize God's hand, God's peace, God's promise, God's love, is we're missing that final piece. It's understanding the resurrection. That, that's part of this. See, so often we're focused on the difficulties and forget the promise. The promise, peace, the, the, the final peace is that promise of the resurrection, the, the resurrection that our Lord fulfilled. And as we stand here on Palm Sunday, what we recognize, what we really celebrate, is a victory parade before it takes place. Here we have the conquering king coming into Jerusalem to bring about the salvation. It's just that it hasn't happened yet. But the promises of God are so sure that they can be celebrated before they are fulfilled. And that's exactly what our Lord did. As we move through Holy Week, we will see that all the promises are fulfilled. We will see that, that every aspect of, of his suffering and death was prophesied, was predicted, was promised, even down to what would happen to his clothes. And every one of those things is fulfilled. And next Sunday, we'll see that final piece where it's all tied together with the resurrection. It's striking that John understood this afterwards, right? He realizes that it was the resurrection that finally put everything together for him and the rest of the disciples. As he himself says in our text today, his disciples did not understand the things at first. Now listen to the rest of it. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. 
After he's glorified, after he's resurrected, after he's alive and ascending into heaven, now it makes sense to the disciples. Now they see all the things in the Old Testament were written about Christ. And everything that they said would happen to the Messiah did happen. And it happened for our life and our salvation. And that, it all made sense. And that's the final piece for us as well. It's so important that as we begin our entrance into Holy Week, that, that we understand where we are going what the final destination, what the final peace is. Because in the resurrection, we find our destination and our purpose. Our destination is to be with God and God to be with us now and we to be with him forever and eternity. That's what the resurrection brings us. And in the meantime, through our struggles, through our difficulty, through our joys, through our happiness, we are called to love him, to trust him, and to love one another. And we know that all that we experience, all that we go through, is leading us to that time with the Lord. That our Lord is with us and he's making sure that we will be with him forever in heaven. And when we do that, we're able to trust even when we fully don't understand. We're able to trust even when we're confused. Because the promise is that when we have risen, we will fully understand. That's the ultimate final piece, our own resurrection. Again, the confusion is seen because of sin. Sin brings confusion. Sin brings disorder to God's wonderfully ordered world. But Christ overcame that disorder. The promise now is that, that disorder of sin, in that disorder of sin, God keeps his word. He brings good to those that love him. Nowhere do we see that more clearly during Holy Week. As we enter this week, we're going to see all that our Lord went through. We'll see how God uses even the sinfulness of man to accomplish his task. And in the midst of it, he brings victory. A victory that is yours, a victory that is mine, a victory that is ours. A victory that we celebrate and rejoice in. Because we know who to whom we belong. And who it is that is leading us and guiding us every step of the way. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guide our hearts and minds of true faith to life everlasting. Amen.